Welcome to Futures Focus, a Prospects 1500 podcast. This is episode two, and we are back. I'm Scott Green, along with Jake Berry. Jake, what's going on tonight? Hey, Scott. Glad to be back. You know, this time of year, we're all super excited. Wrapping up draft season, and uh, now we're just counting down the days. I think you and I are counting down the days to April 4th. That's, you know, that's a, a pretty important date in our households. Absolutely. Um, a lot of stuff going on for us here. Uh, we've got, uh, well, a Major League Baseball opening day is is coming up Thursday. My socks are out in the West Coast, so I have to stay up for a late 10 p.m. game against the Mariners. But then, uh, yeah, as we get into uh, early April, we've got our home openers. And uh, I've even got a weekend in New York, New Jersey for WrestleMania with my son. So that's exciting, too. But um, how about you down there in, in Braves country? Yeah, no, we're, we're excited uh, opening up in Philly. And then I think it's the Cubs come into town and, and we're going to go check out one of those weekday games. And do you have any idea when your first minor league game will be this year? You know, I don't. We usually get to Rome, Rome, Georgia, pretty early, single-A Braves affiliate. Um, other than that, it's it's a little bit of a haul out to Birmingham for uh, White Sox double-A. But no, we haven't put it on the schedule right now. You know, the, the day-to-day is pretty busy, but, uh, you know, don't worry. Those are usually pretty spontaneous trips. I think I will be in Hartford for opening night on April 11th when the New Hampshire Fisher Cats take on the Yard Goats in double-A Eastern League action. And then when we are down in Florida on vacation mid-April, we're going to be in Clearwater, and I'm hoping to catch maybe a Threshers game, maybe a Dunedin Blue Jays game. A couple uh, Florida State League ball games are, I think, on the docket for me that week. Nice. That'll be a good trip. That's exciting. So let's get into some discussion. I figured right before the season starts, we can uh, talk about uh, some prospects that are making the major league teams. And, and before we get into that, let me just say that we're excited to have our guest uh, a little bit later in the show, Brian Young, my co-founder of Prospects 1500, will, uh, will join us and talk a little bit about his background and, and his, his uh, deep dynasty strategies and what's going on with him and, and the behind the scenes of our website. So that's pretty cool. Just wrote a he Brian just wrote a great article too uh, a few days ago about fifty guys that that might crack some major league rosters, and that kind of pertains to what I think we got on the docket today, Scott. But I'd encourage everybody to go check that article out from Brian as well. Sounds good. So, hey, one guy that jumps right up right off uh, right off at us is uh, Eloy Jimenez. He's the Sox White Sox number one prospect. And we got the news uh, a week or so ago that he's going to uh, break camp with the team, probably be their starting left fielder. Mm-hmm. Major impact bat right from day one. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, sign the extension. Uh, you know, I, I like that those guys are, are getting paid. Um, maybe not what they should be getting paid this early, but, um, you know, at least it's a step in the right direction. That's a conversation for another day, but. You know, as far as the skill set goes, I don't think I'm, I'm breaking any news here. I don't think I can tell anybody anything they don't already know. I love the, the power swing from Eloy. And, you know, outside of that, the, the guy's a – he seems like a big goofball off the field too. So, you know, I think he's going to be a fan, fav, fan favorite with the White Sox if he's not already. 
Um, and, you know, knowing that he's going to be up on opening day really helps him from a, uh, a redraft perspective as well. So I know his ADP shot up on NFBC from two weeks ago over until, you know, over the last week or so. I think he went from like 120 up to, to 100 overall. And, you know, I think that's about right. I think yeah, he's, that, that makes sense. Yeah, I think he's I think he's about the uh, the defining line of guys that I would take. You know, that's for sure. I didn't uh, get a chance to see him a lot uh, live, but one time a couple of years ago, I was fortunate enough to be in Miami at the Futures game, uh, 2017, and uh, he was he was there. Uh, it was really cool seeing him and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and at the time uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. and Rafael Devers. They were all in that world team lineup, which was which was amazing. Moncada as well. Um, so yeah, White Sox nation uh, excited about him and his starting the year off. Another team there in the AL Central, we've got the Detroit Tigers and a guy who got some playing time in the majors towards the end of last year, but could be their starting left fielder this year, still prospect eligible. Kristen Stewart, he's another guy with some big power. I like him in that lineup. Yeah, I love him. I think I'm a lot higher on him than I uh, than most people are. I actually just traded for him this offseason in Diamond Duos 4 and I thought that was a I got him for pretty good value there um, but yeah I think you know he's the starting left fielder going into the season um, I like steamer projections a lot and he's projected for over 500 plate appearances so you know I think that's his job and, and I'd love to see maybe maybe 25 homers from him this year that's cool I think uh, I know that Dave uh, Eddie our Tigers correspondent likes him uh, ranked him seventh on his Tigers top 50 and he says right off the bat, if you like power, Stewart is your guy. I actually caught some batting practice uh, that Stewart had. Um, when was it? Was you know I think it was right after I got back from Miami a couple years ago. The Eastern League All Star Game was up here in Manchester, New Hampshire, and I got there early and and was down on the field for batting practice, and I caught a round of his BP uh, on video. And it was pretty impressive. So um, excited to see how things go for him in 2019. Um, a couple Braves pitchers I know you want to talk about that are making the team. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's an interesting situation unfolding uh, over in Cobb County. You know, Tukey, who I think a lot of us thought was a lock for the rotation, um, not even going to be on the roster. I'm going to be starting in, in Gwinnett, and it looks like Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson are the two guys that they're going with. Obviously, there's some some injury concern with uh, Fultonevich and Gossman, um, and I don't I don't expect at least Bryce Wilson. I don't expect Bryce Wilson to hang in the rotation. Obviously, all year, you know, there's there's some some more experienced arms there, especially if they're trying to trying to win that tough division out there. Um, but Kyle Wright's a guy that I'm super excited about. He's got the frame, you know, he's got the SEC tutelage that I really like. And, and, um, I don't think people realize that, you know, he's got a devastating fastball slider combo, but I mean, he's, he's hit dri- triple digits at times with the fastball. So, you know, he's, he's got a great skill set, And I think that that's just going to be a, a revolving bus ride for a bunch of those pitchers between SunTrust Park and, and Gwinnett. Now, Jason Waddell, our uh, Braves correspondent, who uh, is one of the co-founders of Prospects Live. Uh, he did our Braves Top 50 back in January. Uh, has Tukey as his co-number one 
uh, prospect, uh, 1A, Christian Pache at 1B. So I think it's probably because of his kind of a down spring training numbers that, that he's not making the team. Is that what you think? Well, maybe. Um, but to be honest with you, if you compare the numbers, Kyle Wright pretty much had the same exact spring that Tukey did. Okay. You know, Wright struck out 20 and walked four. I think Tukey struck out 20 and walked three. And they both gave up something like, you know, between 13 and 15 runs and in, in about the same number of innings. So that's really what had me surprised by the whole thing, because I think they're all pretty capable pitchers and will be major league starters down the road. Um, but since Tukey had a little more experience in the bigs, I thought he would be the guy they went with. Um, and a lot of people are saying he might have lost it in the spring. But when you compare it to Kyle Wright's spring, I'm, I'm not sure that's the case. Wow. And, you know, Jason has... Wilson as his eighth ranked Braves prospect and Wright as his ninth. That might be a little surprising to some. Um, you might think of them almost as top five. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's just a, a product of the Braves system being so stacked. You know, eight and nine or, or nine and ten, you know, and, and a lot of other lists, they would definitely be top five. But, you know, being top ten in this Braves list is, is something to be proud of. Absolutely. Well, I have one more. Uh, guy I wanted to bring up. Um, I think he's going to make the major league team. I was fortunate enough to get to see him play for uh, a little while in 2018 in Hartford, and that's Garrett Hampson, uh, infielder for the Rockies. Uh, whether or not he makes that opening day roster, you know, maybe they locked it down today. I'm not sure, but according to I was looking on Twitter, and about an hour or so ago, Kyle Newman, who is the Rockies uh, reporter for the Denver Post uh, said that he sees Ryan McMahon getting the start for opening day in Miami, but both he and Garrett Hampson initially sharing time at second base. Hampson, though, can also see some innings in outfielder uh, in the outfield as McMahon can see action at first and third base as well. So I think both both those guys are going to you know make that roster. McMahon doesn't have the prospect eligibility anymore, but Hampson does. Yeah, yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised, uh, you know, especially with I think Ian Desmond is the well, whoever plays center, either Dahl or Desmond. Um, you know, they they could definitely use some depth there. Scott, I just got a notification from MLB Trade Rumors that Padres to pr- promote Fernando Tatis Jr. So that was perfect timing for this conversation. As of two minutes ago, reports that Tatis is going to break camp. Are uh, you telling me that you are breaking this news on Futures Focus, Jake? <laughs> I'm not breaking. I'm not breaking this news. Jeff Todd reporting from MLB Trade Rumors. <laughs> <laughs> According to Jeff Todd via Futures Focus Prospects 1500 podcast. That's cool. So he he credits Kevin AC and uh, the San Diego Union Tribune here. But man, I thought that was that was funny. We're sitting here talking about prospects we think will make the opening day roster and then one who I did not expect to be on the opening day roster we get a notification mid-conversation that's exciting man Tatis and, and Machado in that infield that'll be great and Paddock on the mound he's one of yeah. my uh, favorite uh, pitching prospects I think I, I'll get into him a little later in the show when we're talking to Brian um, so all right, so very cool. Oh, that, I'm still kind of shaking a little bit because over that news. That's imagine if we were on live radio and not a podcast. Yeah, it's kind of hard for me to get it out there. I'm pumped right now. <laughs> so cool. Go grab them in your dynasty leagues if you don't have them, right? But everyone does probably. Um, all right, all right, cool. So as we uh, 
we can transition here. Uh, I like talking about those guys that are making the major leagues. But how about those guys that are not going to make the major leagues? We're we're just uh, around the corner to opening day here, and there's so many players that are probably up for grabs and not owned in these deep dynasty leagues that a lot of our listeners are are able to to you know reach out and add to their team. Uh, I've got a couple names. Is there anyone that that you can think of that might be valuable in in a real deep dynasty league? Maybe some of your favorite uh, late round you know flyers on guys who might help in the next couple years. Um, I've got a couple of super deep names here. I'm gonna let you go first on this one, Scott, because I think you got a couple guys lined up. My guys are more uh, uh, younger guys who might uh, might pan out in four or five years down the road. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was actually going to say right before you um, gave us the Tatis news and before they had signed Machado a month or so ago, I was really high on Ty France, had had a couple really good seasons uh, in the minors for the Padres and thought that he was going to get his chance um, to get a lot of playing time for the Padres this year. I still think he will. I don't think that you're going to go a whole season – without the the injuries and the and the needs to fill roster spots. So Ty France is is a player I know is not owned in a lot of dynasty leagues. And if you're going if you're going, you know, 30 to 50 deep on on a roster in, you know, 12 to 15 team league, he's a guy that should be owned. And um and and the other one that I wanted to bring up is is a guy who maybe a bit more valuable in a daily league than in a weekly lineup league. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Uh, Stephen Tarpley of the Yankees, he's a left-handed reliever. And if you've got a, a league that counts holds as a category, like our Diamond Duos 4 does, Tarpley can be thrown in there as a starting pitcher because he has SP and RP eligibility. So if you've got a daily league where you can rotate out uh, players, not necessarily streaming, but if you can put in, you know, players for certain categories, a guy like Tarpley, who's going to get some major league time can still be claimed as a minor league prospect and then promoted, uh, I like him a lot. He's he's uh, he impressed towards the end of last year. He's had a really good spring, and here's one Red Sox fan telling everyone to go give a chance to a Yankee uh, pitcher. Man, that carries some weight right there. <laughs> so that's my Yankees. Uh, that's my Yankees diatribe for today. Yeah, I'll, I'll trot one guy out here, and and I think now is the time to get him because. Well, you know, I just wrote about Andy Abanez not too long ago in the in the Rangers system about an injured 26-year-old prospect. Well, there's another guy uh, in their system, too. And, Scott, I think you might have some shares of him as well. Scott Heineman, an outfielder in the Rangers org. Indeed. Uh, yeah, he's he's actually down on the 60-day the injured list or whatever, you know, whatever you call it nowadays. Um, he's down on the, the injured list, and it uh, looks like he's going to miss a you know, pretty good – amount of time I think he's going to miss the entire year here but I think the situation lines up for him pretty well the Rangers say what you will about their rotation 
really their strong suit is the outfield there. And, and I think a lot of that's been documented with Willie Calhoun not getting the playing time. And, and there's just a lot of moving pieces out there. But if this rebuild, especially with how far the Rangers' young pitchers are away from the majors, if this rebuild takes three or maybe even four years, um, I think Scott Heineman is a guy who could potentially get some playing time to kind of bridge the gap until the, till the next good Rangers team. Now, um, that might be as a fourth outfielder. You know, he might be the first guy off the bench if you got Gallo. Um, you know, looking three years down the road, if you got Gallo, Mazzara, and hopefully Calhoun, um, you know, I think Heineman would fit in nicely as a fourth outfielder there. Don't expect much from him, but he might be a, a, a good late grab and stash. And I'm always somebody who I'm not afraid to take guys who who are, uh, you know, on the shelf with injury. Um, it's a shoulder a shoulder injury for Heineman, but um, you know, I've, I've always, especially in my deep leagues, I'm not afraid to stash those guys. Yes. Yeah if I see a route to play in time for him. I think I do have uh, some shares of Heinemann, at least in one of our Diamond Duos leagues. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like him too. That's I, I, a good little player there. Um, all right. Well, when we come back, we are going to have Brian Young join us, and uh, we will talk about uh, some of his dynasty strategies, uh, how we got the uh, website Prospect 1500 uh, going a couple years ago, and uh, he'll have some other interesting tidbits for us. So we'll we'll be back in uh, just a short break, and you're listening to Futures Focus, a Prospects 1500 podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, and we're back on Futures Focus, Prospects 1500 podcast. I'm Scott Green along with Jake Berry, and right now I'm very excited to welcome in um, the co-founder of Prospects 1500, my friend Brian Young. Brian, how are you? Doing great, Scott. How are you? Doing, doing well. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Um, really excited to speak to you for a little bit about a few things in the dynasty fantasy baseball world and and our exciting journey with uh, prospects. But um, y- you contribute on our site. You do a lot of behind the scenes on our site. Uh, can you just start us off with how you and I got together a few years back and, and your, a little bit of your background? Sure. So... As far as background, I've been playing fantasy baseball off and on since 1996, I think is about where I got started. Uh, But then took a long break and then started back up around 2013 or so. When I started back, I knew I didn't want to do your basic fantasy leagues. So I started looking around and saw there was a lot of dynasty leagues, which weren't around. At least I didn't know about them back in 1996 through 2000, 2002. So... That's where I kind of got started in fantasy leagues and then met you um, in discussing a deeper fantasy league. Um, and so, yeah, so that's how I, how I met you. 
Yeah, I think it was. I, I knew you had participated in that uh, crazy deep WAU league, which is for for, <laughs> uh, for those out there who might not know the real name, the Wood, the Abad, and the Uglo, which yeah. I think is really cool. Which I also think dates the league some. I'm not actually sure when it officially started, but that puts it at least 10 years old when those three players were relevant. Absolutely. That absolutely dates the league. <laughs> so, yeah. and I've been, I've been in that league maybe now, I think, I think I've been in it for, this is maybe our, my fifth year in the league. Um, but you're right, it's a crazy league. If you're looking for a deep league, um, that's the, this is the kind of league for you. It's, also dating the league is that there's only 28 teams because this was pre-expansion to 30. Oh, wow. I didn't know that's why. Are you sure that's why? I'm almost positive that's why. I've never asked Robert Hill is the founder of the league and he runs it. I never asked him, but I assume that's what it, the reason. It also helps out with making sure everyone has plenty of actives with a league that huge because we play 25-man roster with 28 teams. So those two extra teams being vacant gives us 30 players to, or excuse me, 50 players to spread around. But I thought it was because nobody owns the Red Sox and Yankees and their minor leaguers are up for grabs in your, in your expansion each year. But I could be wrong. Yeah. So again, I think, I don't know. I think that, I think that, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know the exact reason why we're down to 20, where you only have 28, but it works out. Um, the Red Sox-Yankees thing, because I've learned, I'm from the South, Red Sox-Yankees, I don't care about either one of them to, in the <laughs> grand scheme, to be honest. I know you're a Red Sox fan, so, you know, um, I grew up Braves fan. Amen. I, I was around right at their dynasty. Oh my God, I'm outnumbered here. I got, I, I, my dad and I were going to watch Braves games in 91, that's the year of their first, you know, worst of first. We were getting in at $5 a ticket out of the old... Um, Fulton County Stadium. Yeah. And so that's me. That's my growing up Braves. But yeah, so in this league, though, a lot of them are Red Sox fans. So I also thought that maybe the reason is nobody can fight over the Red Sox because they just don't let anybody have it. Okay. So I really don't know the reason there. But so to give an idea of how deep. Anyway, Robert Hill does a great job. He does. With, so, with, that, uh, with that league. And so I believe you had kind of uh, created a, a uh, spinoff. Well, uh, it wasn't a spinoff. I was trying to see if there was a possible to create a league that was similar, but shaped off some of the rules. Really, again, to try to have a second similar league, but that maintained that depth, because I was really interested in the depth, and I had tried to find a few leagues that were similar to WAU. None of them really worked out, and honestly, after looking at it and trying it for a little while, I understand why. They're super hard to maintain, yeah. both getting people to participate keeping up with the rules, keeping up with the forums or however you're managing the site. Most fantasy baseball sites can't handle that depth unless you're willing to pay for premium packages. Um, so I get, uh, you know, so yeah, so we tried it. That's how you and I actually really met was through there. But to get back to that WAU and the depth of it, because I really want to emphasize that part because it kind of ties in with you and I creating the site, Prospect sure. 1500. So there are 7,000, up to a 7,000 minor leaguers rostered in WAU. Every team gets 255 players they can put on their roster that you build over years. So it really mimics Major League Baseball. 
And so it's also kind of funny to me because we run a prospect site. Everybody wants the nice, sexy prospects. In this league, I have zero players on our top 185 list. Wow. Because I went for it all, and I'm still going for it all this year. And I did have Drew Waters, and I sold him off to get Corey Kluber. So you're basically a major league heavy team going for it in this deep dynasty league, but mm-hmm. your 200 plus minor league players aren't any of the top names that people are going to see yeah. in, in the top 100s or our top 185 or thereabouts. Right. You want to get a quick list of my, my top prospects on this team? Yeah. Hey, Jake, this WAU is probably uh, our diamond duos doesn't have anything on this because they're no. much doesn't sound. No, it doesn't. And honestly, it threw me off playing diamond duos because I'm not, it, I, I couldn't read, I was having problems recalibrating what quality prospect I should target because here are the guys that are, I think, my top of system. I've got uh, Connor Wong, who may be my number one. That's the Dodgers catcher. You got Deion Stafford from Pittsburgh, catcher. You got Israel Wilson, or Izzy Wilson, I think he goes by now with Atlanta. Roldani Baldwin, who you talked about in your Red Sox top 50. Oh, yeah. Mario Feliciano, Brewers catcher. Gavin Sheets, White Sox first baseman. Jer- I actually know how to pronounce his first name. Jeremy Profar, Jerkson's brother. So those are my top prospects, and I use top prospects loosely. All right, well, Connor Wong is number 14 on Trips Dodgers top 50. He is. There you go. But he's buried, I think, maybe third on the Dodgers catcher depth chart. Yeah. So I'm really you. curious how that's going to play out this year because you got Will Smith and uh, Ruiz. Ruiz. Right. So, but, so here's the uh, kind of a segue a little bit. In this league, though, and this is something I think our site can help with, if you're playing in a deep dynasty league, part of what you're really you're doing is you're fighting the ability to roster a full team especially in our league where you got 28 teams and you roster 25 guys all the time. So what my strategy in this league has often been is if I can't get the top guys, I'm always looking for those guys that can contribute, you know, your utility guys, guys that you're not going to put up great stats, but as my 22nd to 25th player, give me quality. So, you know, I've got guys I've targeted like Victor Caratini or Caratani with the Cubs um, I've got Kyle McGowan, who I hope comes up for the Nationals, maybe pitches at that fifth spot in the rotation at some point if there's an injury. Jacoby Jones from the Tigers. And uh, two guys that are actually are good prospects, or were prospects, now they've graduated. Oscar Mercado and Fran Mill. Or sorry, Mercado hasn't graduated yet. I've got him. He is my top prospect. Yeah, I would I say he's your top prospect. I consider him a major league player at this point. In my mind, but yeah, he is my top prospect. And then Fran Mill Rays okay. from the Padres. So, but that gives you an idea of the depth and my approach a little bit to prospects in those deep leagues. Um, I often sell off my top prospects because I don't trust prospects, which is funny, me being part of the site. But I, I like targeting those lower prospects that I think can contribute to majors in a minor way. I hear you. Okay. So, so I think it's really intriguing to go back a few years when you and I started talking originally as I spoke with Jake on episode one this was just kind of an idea to do a blog and get Mm -hmm. a few people involved and then you told me 
let's just register the domain and let's make it a website. So can you go? Yeah. Well, fast forward a little bit and how we kind of got it up off the ground and, and what your role is. Yeah, sure. So around the time we were talking, I had a site and I said it's still online, but it hasn't been updated in I'm looking at now three years, maybe. Um, I decided to create a site, and then you and I were talking. You had the idea for Prospects 1500. It wasn't called in at the time, but you had this basic idea. And we were talking, and I said, well, you know, I really like your idea. I think I've got some other things I could add to that. And so basically, instead of working on the site that I had, you and I just teamed up to make Prospects 1500. And just like you said, it started as, I don't want to say a wild idea, but just an idea and you and I worked through it. You were going to put it on maybe Blogspot or somewhere. Yeah. And then I said, yeah. So I was like, well, why not create our own site that we can have more creative control over how it looks? We can do different things with it. It'll allow us to have multi-authors really easily because, you know, we already had that idea that we wanted to bring other guys um, that are maybe wanting to write about prospects kind of into the fold and work with us. So, yeah. And so then it just developed. You know, our first year was... We kicked off January 2017. That's right. And yeah, we had some traffic. And then every month or every year ever since, we've just been growing it. Yeah. Now, Jake, you joined us last year, mm -hmm. um, 2018 season. And talk a little bit about you know, your, your first few months uh, with us and, and how it's just grown in in the last uh, year on your end? Yeah, you know, I think the growth has been exponential just while I've, you know, since I've joined the team. And and really for me, it's uh, based off of seeing our comments on the site, the interactions on Twitter. Um, I mean, the followers that I've gained, you know, on Twitter and things like that. And and I think we've also done a great job of of uh, gathering everybody's opinion and, and um you know, there's a lot of communication that goes on within our team, kicking ideas around and kicking trades around and things like that. Um, so I see how uh, well qualified our writers are, and I think I see how smart our writers are. And you know, these are some of the best dynasty baseball players that we got writing for us and working with us now. And and I, I think that you know, it's no accident that the site's grown just over the last year that I've been here because I see the quality of people and the quality of content that we have going out there. Yeah. All right. Well, all that is is great. And uh, Brian, one of our most recent articles uh, we posted just a few days ago was about uh, it was like another top 50 list, but not really ordered in top 50. And, and we do top 50s for every organization out there. But your article was about 50 prospects that could probably see major league time this year, a really great resource for dynasty fantasy baseball uh, players. Uh, so I wanted you to, you know, give us a couple highlights from that and maybe point out a few players that aren't the Vladimir Guerreros or the Kyle Tuckers <laughs> and the Victor Robles of the top names. Give us some of the, not bottom feeders, but give us some of the lower guys. Uh, I have a couple that I wanted to mention if you don't, but uh, I thought we'd start there. Yeah, sure. So yeah, this the article I put out was, again, you, you already said it's not exactly a top 50. I tried to categorize it in a way that might help people if they're browsing through it. So the two guys I want to focus on or the category I want to focus on 
would be the stolen bases category. And we already mixed, mentioned Oscar Mercado. Um, he's a guy that uh, John Stewart actually wrote an article on him recently for our site. Yeah, and just, just he's the other a guy. That, yeah, he's a guy I would pay attention to. Um, he's got great speed. He's a shortstop turn center fielder. Um, Indians picked him up, I think, for a song from the Cardinals. I think that was an underrated um, pickup on their part. Uh, but he's somebody that once he's up, that he should be able to produce stolen bases for you without killing your average. He won't give you much power, but he'll get you those stolen bases. And then a deeper guy, because I think Mercado is at least on most people's radar at this point, but a deeper guy is Miles Straw. And Miles did get some action last year, didn't he? He did. He did get a little bit of action. He's still eligible for prospect. Um, and I think that I hope to see the Astros do the same thing they did with him last year, which is, you know, that pinch runner role. Um, in my article, I called it the Terrence Gore treatment. So Terrence <laughs> Gore for the Royals. Um, Terrence, Terrence Gore is a guy who probably far exceeds any sort of prospect eligibility with his service well, yeah. time. But he doesn't have 130 at-bats in the majors after all the years he's been with a major league team just because he usually pinch, pinch runs. Yep. So in, in WAU, it's a head-to-head league. And um, in the playoffs, I've, I fear having to play the guy with Terrence Gore because it's right in that September area where the Royals are just throwing Terrence Gore out there on the base pad and saying, go steal a base. So I like to put Miles Straw there because he's the guy that if you're in a head-to-head league, especially late in the season, if the Astros use him in a similar way, he can steal you, no pun intended, a category. Yeah. So um, Yeah, I like those two guys. Um, <laughs> Jake, um, did you get a chance to see that, that column? Uh, any guys on there that, uh, that you know of that you wanted to mention? I've got a couple myself. Yeah, I wanted to first off just kind of get a, um, I guess more or less of a scouting report from Brian on on a guy that he listed from the Pirates here, Pablo Reyes, and he's an interesting guy for me. Um, he's underneath the helium alert uh, header here, mm-hmm. um, and it sounds like to me, Brian, this is a guy that you kind of target. He's he's not really uh, he doesn't really possess flashy tools, but he's versatile. He can be a utility guy. And, uh, you know, sometimes sometimes that floor uh, contributor kind of kind of helps you out at the big league level. It's, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, Scott knows that I mainly focus on NFBC style drafts, 50 round draft and holds. So whoever you draft is who you're stuck with for the whole year. And so Pablo Reyes is, is again, like you said, is a guy that if he can play that utility role, can give you that multi position eligibility. Um, he doesn't do anything, you know, I wouldn't say he does anything really well other than just contributing good stats without hurting your ratio too much, your average too much. Um, but so I start playing these drafts early January or even late December sometimes. And this year, Pablo Reyes has seen this dramatic, not quite as dramatic as Chris Paddock, but fairly dramatic increase in round position. Um, he was taken with pick 743. Two, I think, in my first draft, 50-round draft. And now I see him being taken. And the one I'm in right now that I'm trying to get done before the season, well, the big, the outside of Japanese season starts, I see him take, he got taken in round 29, 
which I think is too early. But so yeah, this is a guy that I would keep an eye on. Uh, if you're not in a deep, deep league, you know, whenever he gets caught up, or if he he may make the team, I haven't actually kept up with him recently to see if he's going to make it out of the spring training. I think but he would be a guy I would keep an eye on. I think he's going to make the I team, th- but I'm not. Positive. I think he will. I think he'll make it as that utility role that a lot of teams seem to be wanting to employ. Um, so, but yeah, so he's a guy I'll keep an eye on. Um, and I'll be honest, he wasn't really on my radar in January, but playing these leagues and then starting to see him creep up. And then by February, I think is when I started seeing articles coming out about him. So. Did he, uh, did he go in our draft, Brian, the 50 round that we did? Oh, I'm sure he did. It's a question of where he went. Um, yeah, I'm curious about that. <laughs> um, you know what? I got it right here. He actually okay. went in our 50 rounder, although we've got 24 teams and not 15. He went mm-hmm. in the 29th round, 694 overall. Ryan James got him. And see, I think that's a steal, especially in our league where there's 24 teams and position eligibility is going to become a problem if Rays can get you at least two positions maybe even he might get three that's going to come in really handy for ryan i think what's great about that pick (laughs) is it it was only a few picks after jake took jason vargas i know jake loves jason vargas i i actually like jason vargas too (laughs) not not in a standard 12 team shallowly but in a deep league like these or like Diamond Duos or WAU, Vargas is very serviceable. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I wanted to talk about I love the other helium guy. Um, I love Chris Paddock. I think he's he's my third favorite uh, pitching prospect um, right now behind Luzardo and Forrest Whitley. And then the only other guy I wanted to touch on from your list was Merrill Kelly. I, I just... I'm kind of thinking we might get a Miles Michaelis treatment there with him. Any we'll say I, I, that's the uh, expectation that everyone, or at least that's what people are drafting him based off. Um, yeah. I think at his, I haven't looked at his was what his ADP is recently, but at the ADP he was going when the article was written. Um, I think there's enough upside there that that's a pretty solid pick. Yeah. Um, I mean, your downside is that he just fails. Yeah. But, you know, his, yeah, he looks good if you look at any of the footage on him. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a solid pick that's got a lot of upward um, value that you could realize. Um, sure. Very much like Miles last year. All um, right, well, we're going to... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, about uh, that. I wanted to go back to Paddock real quick, though. Yeah, yeah. So this is a guy. I'm curious to get y'all's two, your two opinions on him. He but right now. It, it might just be my opinion. We actually, I think Jake's dropped off the call for some reason. A little technical difficulty, but you okay. and I can finish off this segment. Sure. So I can get your opinion. <laughs> right now, he's going around the number seventy to seventy fifth start or pitcher, not just starting pitcher, pitcher, in NFBC drafts. I mean, that may be where he should be going, but that to me is a lot of risk, even on a guy that looks as good as Paddock. 
Yeah. So, just right. a thought. Just a thought. He may have too much helium at this point. I'm excited to see if he's uh, in the rotation for the Padres, and we'll know in the next uh, week or so. Um, all right. So before we finish off here, we are prospects 1500. We do deep dives. We're mm-hmm. all about being, uh, you know, so deep <coughs> more than other sites might be out there. Give us, give us three names that that you're watching this year that you, a lot of other people might not be on uh, they I don't necessarily want them to be you know top 25 or 30 guys but but people that you think could be breakouts in the next couple years all right let's see who I have am I, am I uh, well I'm gonna say I'm not sure where Jason Woodell has them is on his Braves list, but Israel Izzy Wilson, who I mentioned earlier. Yeah. He's a guy, Jason called him, let me check my notes, he called him the best overall athlete in the Braves system. Perhaps the best overall. He did he did shade his words a little bit there, but perhaps is the best overall athlete in the system. The problem with Izzy Wilson is that Jason has him, I think, in the top 25, top 28 of his prospects. Number uh, 24. Number 24. So the be- perhaps the best Overall athlete is ranked, you know, twenty fourth in the system. So mm-hmm. he's got some things to work out in his swing. Um, he's hyper aggressive, but he bats from the left side. He, whenever he was signed in twenty fourteen as an international free agent, there was a lot of hope for him to produce. And there was some issues in the last few years. He seems to have worked out past those. He's a guy that, again, could fail. He reminds. I don't say he reminds me of Courtney Hawkins, but that was a guy that I once had high hopes. It's kind of flamed out with the White Sox. I could see Wilson the same way, though, where this year could be the year that he really shows it, or we'll know at the end of the year that he's probably not going to make it. But he's a guy that if he's available in a league that you're in, and you've got your, like, Diamonds duos where you're rostering, you know, about a medium-level of prospects, not, like, 7,000, like WAU, that's a guy that I would want to make sure is... If he's available, pick him up. And if he's not available, he's the kind of guy that I like as a in a trade, trying to get as kind of a throw-in. Because a lot of people won't think twice about that kind of player in a throw-in deal, as a throw-in. Okay. So he's someone I would want to pick up. Sounds good. Uh, Jake, you're back with us? Yeah, sorry about that. All right, no problem. Yeah, so we're just... Brian's given us a few deep dives uh, to finish off the segment. Izzy Wilson from the Braves. Uh, being one, I kind of ripped on you a couple minutes ago when I said that uh, I loved uh, Ryan James's pick of Pablo Reyes. Uh, only a couple after you took uh, Jason Vargas, so that that was yeah. That was, are you kidding me? That was the steal of the draft, Jason Vargas. <laughs> so uh, other than uh, Izzy Wilson here, Brian, give us a couple more. So I, I mean, I put him on the uh, article I released recently, and uh, there was a little bit of talk on Twitter about him, but. I really want to, and this may not be a player that people don't know about, but I really want to see Ray Black succeed. Yeah. Like, his, you should, people should go watch him pitch. You know, find video. He's fun to watch pitch. Um, anybody that can throw 100 miles per hour that effortlessly needs to be watched. Um, so he's a guy that I want to see succeed. May, in part, I have this weird uh, thing that, I actually like, sometimes I enjoy seeing players that I just kind of kick off my dynasty league. So I'm like, this guy is not worth anything. I have this weird enjoyment, though, of seeing them actually succeed even after I kick them off my team. (laughs) 
So like Ray Black was the guy I told somebody that when I traded him, I was like, I'm gonna give you the second best Giants relief pitching prospect because I was swore Derek Law was gonna be so much better than Ray Black. Yeah. I was wrong. Ray Black, I think, is going to be much better than Derek Law. And that may say a lot more about Derek Law at this point than Ray Black. But Ray Black is someone that I want to see really do well. I don't know. He's in the minors now. I don't know that he has an opportunity to get saves this year. If you look at the depth chart. um, But in a save plus holds league, he's someone I'd want to target, even in a redraft league maybe. And if you are in a dynasty league or a keeper league, he's a guy that maybe towards the end of the season, if he's still available, you pick him up and try to hold him for next year or the next couple of years. Because, you know, um, his only issue is his walks. You know, but a lot of times fireballers like that, that's the, what they've got to work on. Yeah. And so if uh, anyone wants to read a little bit more about Ray Black, check out Brian's article, uh, 50 Prospects uh, to Know for uh, – MLB on Prospects 1500, uh, and also he was number 18 on uh, Paul's Giants Top 50 list um, from a couple months ago, which is in our Top 50 section on the site. So how about one more, and then we'll wrap up uh, our little talk here. Let's see. Who else can I talk about? Well, I've already mentioned him, and he's not, again, I guess I'm not living up to our deep dynasty, but... Connor Wong, like I know the guys that I have on my WAU the best. He's a guy that, again, I kind of want to see him succeed. He's got the tools. He's ranked 14th, you said, in the, on our Dodgers list. So he's not super deep. But you know, he's a guy that I would keep an eye on if, if I'm a um, dynasty league player, fantasy player. I would keep an eye on the way the Dodgers line up their minor league system this year at the catching position. See where they put Ruiz, see where they put Smith, and then see where they put Wong. But Wong's the guy that um, he has just as much tools and could succeed just as like the other two guys. And he could come out of nowhere to do that. So I think he's someone that you could pick up a lot, um, lot cheaper than Ruiz and Smith. And honestly, if you've got somebody that has both of them, I would sell the other guys. You know, like, hey, Smith and Ruiz have already put Wong to shame. You know, you don't need to hold on to Wong. So, but he's a guy that, you know, again, he's ranked 14th in ours, but I think he doesn't have the, uh, appeal that Ruiz and Smith has so some people may be overlooking him very interesting hey Brian is Connor Wong a guy that might be uh might have multiple position eligibility down the road he might um I want to say I was reading something that where they're looking at trying to get him extra positions um I don't want to say like Francisco Mejia but I could see some approach wanting to see if the bat plays elsewhere yeah, and I think especially with a lot – well, I mean, with all those Dodgers catchers, I think a lot of them are a little more uh, – you know, have the ability to play a few more positions than just be a catcher because, you know, he's got he's got better speed than a lot of a lot of catchers you'll find. And, you know, mm-hmm. he's, got, he's got a decent power bat. I don't know if he's really been scouted for that as much. Um, but he's got a combo that I really like. Uh, and, and it seems like he's got the athletic ability to move around the diamond a little bit, which we know the Dodgers aren't scared to do. No, because they've got Austin Barnes. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if we can give them credit for Russell Martin. I don't know that I want to claim that Martin playing third base is indeed multi-position. Um, I'm, I'm curious how that's going to play out. And we're ta- usually talking about prospects, but I really want to see Russell Martin play third base this year. Interesting. That should be interesting. Yeah, and he's uh, any of these players with multiple multiple eligibility. Definitely 
help out in dynasty leagues. And of course, Martin's no prospect, but catcher and third base eligibility um, is valuable. So Brian, thanks so much for uh, spending a little bit of your uh, evening time with us and good, good, uh, good, good stuff going on with uh, prospects 1500. Give me one goal that you have uh, for our site this year. One goal? I know it's kind of a loaded question. but It is a loaded question. Uh, I just want to see us keep growing the site. Um, you know, I like the fact that Jake brought up that the writers on our site, that helps them grow their Twitter followers. Um, I just want to see our community grow around the site, around, around our writers. Um, there's a lot of great people on our site that are affiliated with our site. And um, yeah, so that's really it. Just kind of grow the traffic, but also grow the exposure that everyone that writes for our site has. Awesome. Well, again, thanks so much. Definitely we'll check in with you a little later in the season. And, um, and uh, we'll be speaking to you again very soon. Uh, check out Brian's article on uh, 50 prospects you want to uh, keep track of in Major League Baseball this year. And uh, Jake and I will be back to wrap up uh, Futures Focus right after this. All right, welcome back. This is Scott Green and Jake Berry on Prospects 1500 Futures Focus. Uh, we are going to wrap things up in just a little bit. Uh, Jake, have you bought any baseball cards recently? Man, if I'm not writing about baseball, I'm probably just buying baseball cards over here. <laughs> What's your product uh, that you like the best? Well, you know, I am uh, I am a Bowman Chrome guy, as I think as I think most of us are. But I also do have a little side collection that I do from uh, museum collection for tops for some of the major league guys. But um, as far as the prospects go, Bowman Chrome's my my focus, and and I actually do something where I think it's pretty cool collection of uh, collecting prospects born in Georgia. So it's not necessarily the the biggest name guys that I'm hunting. Um, I like to to gather up as many guys uh, from Georgia as I can and, and get their first Bowman Chromes. Oh, very cool! So not necessarily a um, the top prospects from your favorite team or the top prospects in baseball, but you're getting the born and bred in Georgia uh, prospects. Yeah, and I actually just picked up one of your uh, one of your Red Sox, Cole Brandon, too. I think he's still up there. With uh, with Boston, yeah, we'll see what happens to him. I believe a second rounder a couple of years ago and was was uh, demoted last year uh, on some not so stellar play. Hopefully, he can bounce back this year. So, I think you know, and I'm not an expert on this. I'm just a big baseball col- card collector for basically 40 years. Um, the the Lar- the highest value, the the um, the hottest prospect card right now would be Vladimir Guerrero, and his Bowman Chrome, first Bowman Chrome and autographs. I mean, forget it. You're you're looking in the hundreds, even thousands, yeah. depending on the card, depending on the variation and the the number on it and whatnot. Um, I was just looking a, a couple weeks ago, and I'm trying to think, wow, you know, just to have a couple, even if they're not his autograph ones, it would be nice to have for the collection. 
So I was checking out his, it's a 2016 Bowman Chrome on eBay and the, the base paper cards, the ones that aren't Chrome, you could probably fetch them anywhere in the, in the 10 to $20, you know, ballpark, maybe a little less if, if you, if you get lucky and the Chrome version, I really didn't see any less than 40. Uh, some people told me you might get lucky and get it in the thirties, but it really varies and, and might go up to 50 to 60 depending on the auction. So I had the opportunity to grab one of the chromes and two of the base papers for a total of $50. And I thought it was a decent deal. Um, figuring out know, the chrome was 40 and each paper base was five. Then for 50 bucks, you know, it'd be a nice little add to my collection. So I got those. Yeah. And, and uh, just the other night, I went down into my basement card corner and I'm looking through my set boxes for my 2016 Bowman's because I bought a bunch that year. I didn't necessarily collect the set, but I'm, I'm looking through and I, and I have a whole bunch of these cards I remembered seeing and I couldn't find them in the boxes. And then I realized that I've got this giant red three ring binder uh, full of pages that my son uh, printed out uh, a paper to put in the plastic sleeve on the front of the binder, which is a picture of Yoan Moncada on the Red Sox, because in 2016 he was their top prospect and his first Bowman cards were in that set. And he put this paper in the uh, binder sleeve and it was my 2016 Bowman set. <laughs> and I open up the binder and I'm going through the pages and sure enough, I've got the paper of Vladimir Guerrero right there in the pages in order. And I, um, um, I'm thinking, oh, geez, you know what? I probably I go through to the chromes and I've got the chrome also. Nice. So, so I've got a couple extras now, which is nice. Yeah, that's good. I don't see any Vlads in my future. I'm, I'm not uh, – if it doesn't have ink on it, I don't typically collect it. Um, yeah. Or I don't go out of my way to get it, I, I guess you should say. I mean, I, I complete uh, – you know, I think we both work on that Topps Heritage Miner set. You know, I complete that every year. But um, as far as Chromes go, if it doesn't have ink on it, I'm not really out to get it. And I do not see a Vlad in my future. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what's a nice product and it's not too, too expensive. And I did a couple breaks – on YouTube uh, with them a couple months or so ago when they came out. It's the Bowman's Best brand. And if you buy a, a box, you get four autographs. And they're on-card autographs, so they're not stickers. Mm -hmm. And you know, and that's pretty cool. I think, I think they were, um, at the time, I might have gotten them for around 80 or 90 a box. The price might have gone up a little bit uh, since then. But you get four autographs in a full hobby box, which is pretty cool. And one of the uh, guys coming out of uh, the MLB draft last year that I really wanted, uh, and I finally got one of his in Bowman's Best, was Nolan Gorman. Mm -hmm. So, you know, not a numbered card, not a colored parallel or, parallel or anything, but just one of his base um, first prospect autograph cards, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know if you find um, superfractors and, you know, uh, short prints and all that stuff and follow them on eBay. I like to follow and just see how much they'll sell for in the 
the Nolan Gorman Superfractor from first Bowman, his first Bowman Chrome just sold for 15 grand the other day. Wow, I did see that. Yeah, that was amazing uh, for a guy who's uh, not even had one full year of pro ball. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Jake, thanks again for for uh, spending some time with me on our episode two for Futures Focus. Um, before we uh, wrap things up here, um, you got any ideas of who we could have uh, next time? And thank you to Brian Young, of course, for for joining us on episode two. That was that was a great discussion. Who do you think we should try and get on for our next episode? Yeah, the list is endless. I mean, we've got quality guests we can line up with all our correspondents and some industry friends and stuff like that. But I got to be honest, after talking a little bit about the Braves rotation and and Jason Waddell's list, I think I think we try and get Jason on here so so we can pick his brain about what's going on and and who's going to be up when. And I also need to ask him about his one A one B too. I didn't know that was allowed. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that turns into what fifty one. Well, you know what? I think I actually had several of those in my Red Sox top 50, you know, with the A, B, and C on certain numbers. I might have had 57 guys on my list. Jason is a great idea. Um, I'll reach out to Jason and see if he can join us at some point in the near future, and uh, we'll try to get him on for episode three. Um, if it doesn't work out for episode three, I'm sure it will be uh, before episode 33. But Thank you for, for joining me, uh, for all of our listeners. Appreciate you checking us out. We are now available on iTunes. Uh, we're available on Pocket Casts, uh, Breaker. Uh, I believe Google Podcasts is uh, getting us uh, up there pretty soon, all, all uh, through the Anchor platform. So uh, it's, it's exciting times for Prospects 1500. We still got uh, some great content that we're pumping out on the site this month, and, uh, and I look forward to talking with you next time, Jake. Sounds good, Scott. I appreciate the time, buddy. It's always fun. All right. Thanks again, everyone, for listening, and we will catch you next time on Futures Focus Prospects 1500 podcast.